Summer Institute. Um, we're going to begin this evening by giving glory to God for all he has blessed us with and how he has blessed us through Dr. Darks and Dr. Brian to our focus this uh, month uh, for Summer Institute is Let's Talk Health and Wellness. And so to protect our physical health, Dr. Darks reminded us to wear our masks and get boosted. To regain spiritual wellness, Dr. Brian challenged us to rediscover who we are in Christ, engage in self-care, engage with the community of faith, seek renewed relationship with God, and rediscover hope. She ended last week with scriptural references that reminded us of who we are and the promises of God. If you missed these sessions, the audio recordings will be posted to CFBC's website. Tonight, as we continue Let's Talk Health and Wellness, we are joined by Dr. Gwen Newsom, who will guide us in the discussion of emotional and mental wellness, focusing on families and children. Dr. Newsom is a licensed clinical mental health counselor who is now retired. How many of you are familiar with the TV show Hoarders? Bet you didn't know that Dr. Newsom has served as an aftercare counselor for a client from the show. Although retired, Dr. Newsom keeps busy with her new grandson, Jackson. So she now has two grandsons. After prayer by Sister Betty Yancey, Dr. Newsom will come in her own way. If there are any questions or concerns as she moves through the discussion, feel free to put those in chat. And she will also have some time at the end for questions. Sister Yancey. Good evening, everyone. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask that you would establish our homes on the solid rock of your love. We ask that you be the cornerstone of our lives. We pray that our family will be rooted in love, grounded in grace, and rich in respect for one another. Lord, help us to be a church family that calls on you, a church family that support and pray for one another. May we stand firm on a solid foundation of true faith. Lord, Psalm 55, 22 tells us to cast our cares on you and that you will sustain us, that you will not let us fall. So God, we ask that you continue to be with each one of us here tonight. And for those that may not be able to join tonight Bible study, bless those that are sick, those that are lost, and those that are heavily burdened. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Pastor, would you uh, allow Dr. Newsom to sh uh, share her screen, make her co-host so she can share her screen? Okay, Dr. Newsom, whenever you're ready. Okay. Good evening, uh -huh. Christian Faith. So good to be here with you um, on the technical side. Am I sharing my screen yet? Uh, <clears throat> go ahead and give I it a try. You. I made you a co-host. Okay. Well, I'm just going to do what I do. Okay. And <laughs> you I see you, Gwen. Okay. Take care of the rest. Well, um, 
the thing that I'm talking about tonight, uh, you know, over the past two years, uh, we have been involved as a people, as humanity, we have been involved in a pandemic and it's probably still going on. It's petering out a little bit. I missed Dr. Dark's presentation, but the fact of the matter is we have been involved in hyster historical um, in historical portions in terms of the evolution of humanity. This is one for the history books every 100 years. And so tonight um, with the focus on wellness, what we're doing, what I wanna do is just kind of take a look at what's going on in terms of families in the post-pandemic area. Uh, era and I'm calling it post-pandemic and, and that's the term that we're using now because it's after the fact, it's after a pandemic has occurred. And so, but it also implies that this uh, post-pandemic impact has residual effects over the past two years. So, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a new thing. It, feel, it doesn't necessarily feel like an old thing. It just feels like, you know, we're still involved in something of historical portions. So uh, a definition for looking at the pandemic is uh, post-pandemic is looking at a definition of what we would call uh, post-pandemic. And, and I think this is a, a very good definition um, because it embraces pretty much what's going on. Uh, with us right now. So when we look at a definition for post-pandemic, we are looking at embracing uncertainty, underline that, and developing often unruly, meaning some things that may not be um, manageable, diverse alternatives. That means that we're looking at things in ways we have never looked at them before. And then the last part of that definition is that allow economic, social, and political transformations. So, you know, that covers a lot of stuff right there. So let me say that again. We're looking at post-pandemic as uh, a state of embracing uncertainty and developing often unruly diverse alternatives that allow economic, social, and political transformations. Uh, transformations. And so where are these things occurring? Where are these changes occurring? These changes are things that are impacting families, uh, children, and parents, extended families. The places that we see this post-pandemic state are in schools. You know, uh, think about schools. How have schools changed? Just think about that for a while. How have school changed as a result of this post pandemic? I know there's certainly been some uncertainty around what's going on uh, in the schools. And there have been, um, we've been looking at alternatives in terms of keeping people safe. When you look at changes that are as a result of the uh, pandemic in this post pandemic world, uh, shopping, 
there are, when we look at how things have changed, that's a part of our economic area that has changed. Uh, we don't think anything of going to Amazon and getting a paperclip because they'll have it there tomorrow or maybe this afternoon when we get off of this call. So, you know, there are new ways of shopping. Uh, and then there are new ways of socialization that have come about as a result of our adjustment during this period of the pandemic. Uh, the socialization is that we do a lot more interacting with folks uh, by way of social media. And then the last area, when we look at um, the results of this responding to this uncertainty is working. So the work environments have changed as well, how we look at working. So, you know, when we talk about change, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about that later, um, when we're talking about adapting to this post pandemic world, basically we're talking about how to manage change. And as I was looking through stuff for this presentation, one of the things that caught my eye is uh, just a notation that Generation Z, that's the last group of people born since I think 97, uh, they have a whole entirely different perspective on what's going on and they are most adept at changing because this is a generation who have come along and they've been a part of looking at changes in the economic, social, and political areas for those transformations. So now more than ever, uh, you could say that change is a constant. And if you have any ideas about some things that you have seen change, you can put it in the chat. And when we come to the Q&A period, we can talk a little bit about the changes that you have experienced in these areas. So the thing that is very important, I think, is looking at the changes that have occurred in terms of mental health. Uh, you know, this word keeps coming up. It's a crisis, it's a crisis, it's a crisis. It is a crisis. We are involved in something that we've never been involved in. So there is a psychological pandemic. I know in some other presentations, we've talked about other types of pandemics. There has been a racial pandemic. There's been a health pandemic. There's a psychological pandemic. And that psychological pandemic remains uh, because as we'll see it, uh, that there are just certain mental states that for lack of a better word, it's just draining that we have been dealing with over the course of two years. And when we talk about this psychological pandemic, kids are not exempt. Kids have their ways of uh, responding. Parents and caregivers have their way of taking care of the kids. But again, this is another area of the psychological pandemic that can be very draining. Uh, one of the things that is significant to note is that youth mental health suicide rates are rising and they were rising before the pandemic. So this is something of note to take a look at uh, your mental health and youth mental health and suicide rates are rising. So when you look at youth uh, we're talking about adolescents, pre-adolescents, those folks right in that range. A little bit later, we'll talk about some developmental tasks 
that these folks have to accomplish in order to become successful adults. And in some areas, those experiences have been denied because of the changing, the transformation uh, in schools. So if you look at what's happening uh, in this uh, psychological pandemic, COVID-19 has had a profound negative effect on the mental health of the nation, profound. Uh, and the way that uh, it, that effect is people are experiencing anxiety, depression, psychosis, loneliness, and other mental health concerns. And you know, the thing of it is a part of this loneliness is uh, thinking that whatever you're going through, that you're the only one that's going through it, but you are not the only one or we, whatever we're experiencing, we are not the only ones having those experiences because again, this is a global kind of thing. And, you know, as people are finally begin to do some research, uh, information is coming in from across the world. So this is a humanity issue. So just in case I say, let's take a look at anxiety and depression. Uh, just making sure that you're okay, your kids are okay. If you notice some of these symptoms or, or whatever, um, I may have shared this slide with you at another time, but I think it's important to review these things uh, and keep them in mind. So let's take a look at what we're talking about. We're talking about symptoms. Excuse me, Dr. Dr. Newsom, we're not able to uh, see your screen. Were you sharing your slides? I don't know. Okay, we don't, we don't I see- I don't know them. if I had to do something. Let's see, hold on a second. Uh, let's see. Can you see now? Yes, they're coming up, yes, but you need yes. to go ahead and just open up the full slideshow so we can see the whole screen. Okay. No, that's not it. Let's see. That's not it. I have something here that's keeping me from opening it up. How's that? Is this okay. better? Well, that's better. We can see it. Thank you. Okay. Well, let me just skip back through real quickly then. So to, to uh, refresh how we got to where we are now, uh, we're just looking at the fact that where we are uh, is in this residual and current kind of uh, situation related to the pandemic. And uh, we talked a little bit earlier about this, these areas of change, the transitional areas of when we think about the pandemic and we talked about those a little bit. And so uh, we are here talking about uh, the risk uh, that people might undergo in, in developing uh, depression and anxiety. Uh, depression and anxiety sometimes are referred to as cousins. Uh, because they share similar characteristics, but they are different. So if you look at depression and just think about yourselves or someone else that you may know, 
there is isolation uh, with depression again, and that was one of the mental health concerns that was noted earlier. There are suicidal thoughts, persistent sadness, in particular, a loss of interest in activities and alcohol and drug abuse. So these are characteristics of uh, isolation. Looking at anxiety, there are some characteristics as well. Depression on the one hand, anxiety on the other hand. Uh, what anxiety does uh, causes folks to avoid social situations, uh, may have panic attacks, muscle tension, and that muscle tension is important because a lot of times this, these mental health issues express themselves through physical means. So if you are experiencing muscle tensions uh, or having unfounded fears, constant worrying, that's the anxiety. So of these cousins, what they share is uh, being irritable, agitation, uh, having a difficulty concentrating, irritability, irregular sleep. How are you sleeping? How are your kids sleeping? How are your grands sleeping? And then the unexplained physical responses um, that I had mentioned earlier. Okay, so what this means, here's a question. Help, please. Um, people are requesting help for mental health and not only is it families, it's kids, it's, it's uh, adolescents as well. And if you look at this slide, here are uh, some indications of the kinds of folks that are looking at help. Online mental health screenings have increased by 500% uh, over 2019 and a 103% increase over 2020. So that means that folks are reaching out uh, by way of this is one of those new things uh, because we do have this medium that we can reach out. People are using the medium to search for help. 45% of individuals in the United States have taken a screening in 2001. And that also includes 16% of uh, youth between the ages of 11 and 17 during 2019. As in many things, there is a disparity because Black individuals in the U.S. have the largest increase in anxiety during the pandemic, during the pandemic as compared with other ethnicities. And so the percentage of Black individuals doing these screenings uh, symptoms uh, that having symptoms that were moderate to severe increased by 5% from 2019 to 2021. Also, and this is something I know that has been noted and people have talked about, is that um, there's an increase in suicidal ideation among Blacks and the LGBTQ community. And again, when you look at our population, uh, that's something that, you know, is increasing and it's concerning. And uh, a part of it is in relation to these last two years, but that increase had been uh, occurring prior to the pandemic. People screening at risk for mental health conditions 
are struggling most with loneliness and isolation. So if you think about the pandemic, I know we're putting our toe in the water and sticking our head out the door a little bit, but the bottom line is that there is still loneliness and isolation. And so this information was provided through a place called Mental Health America, and it's fairly recent. Uh, these numbers and percentages were as of April 2019. So as we move into looking at, so what's the effect of being in this kind of situation? Well, there are risks to children. Uh, there's a rise in violence in general. Uh, children are exposed to violence. Uh, there are violence at school. Uh, we saw the kids have to deal with shooters. Uh, and there's a rise in online violence among kids as well, and that's bullying and stalking and stuff like that because kids are, you know, allowed to do their work. They're do some of them, and this was during the period when it was a total lockdown, but kids were able to do their work on their computers and they often had unsupervised time. Uh, and so that saw the rise in online violence and some of those things may uh, still be ongoing. Uh, there's some uncertainty in the school environment again. Uh, is it safe? Kids think about that. Am I safe to go to school? Do I need to wear my mask? Uh, they're not sure of the protocols that are going to keep them safe. Um, disproportionate effects on children of color. Again, this was this is what happens a lot of times during these kinds of um, during what they I can't say these kinds of because it's never happened before. But as a result of the pandemic and the quarantine, the post pandemic does see some families uh, with a disparity in family income. Um, individuals in the family may have lost their jobs and jobs may have changed. For some people, there may be food insecurity and housing insecurity because if the income changes, then those things will change as well. Uh, of an, um, importance is this last bullet here, learning loss by way of virtual environments. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes with children of color who don't have access to computers and other devices that will allow them uh, to work as freely in a digital environment for a virtual environment for their schoolwork. That's a part of what's counted as uh, a, dispropor a disproportionate effect for children of color. So some other things when you're thinking about managing kids and we'll talk about a specific ages shortly. But uh, there's, and we'll talk about these things twice maybe, but there's loss and grief. Uh, and there is a loss kids may feel that, you know, in terms of those children who are old enough to remember when they were a lot more free in their environment. So it's like something has changed. And what has changed has been this period of time when uh, kids were distanced from each other, uh, there were those protocols in place that I mentioned earlier. And so that may have um, impacted or presented itself as some type of loss and grief for them. 
Another thing uh, that is a specific need of children is resilience. And again, I'm going to talk about resilience because that's bounce back ability. Uh, and kids are much more resilient uh, sometimes than uh, we give them credit for. Uh, but then on the other hand, as parents and grandparents, you may have experienced your loved ones doing the, having the ability to be resilient. And, and, and that's what has been most helpful. Other needs that children might have is stability and structure. And again, because of all of the change that is going on, it's important to indicate that there is some stati uh, stability and there is structure in terms of what you can do. Uh, there may be some protocols in place uh, that uh, won't allow you to do, uh, to have as much stability or structure as you want. But those are specific needs, and when they're in place, it can be helpful. Now, I had mentioned developmental tasks earlier, and developmental tasks are tasks that have to be mastered at each stage in life. Uh, in order to be a successful adult, uh, adult and have normal development, it is important to reach these developmental tasks. And there are theories that talk about them, but this is not a theories class. So what I can do is just say, share a few tasks that may have been impacted by the pandemic that would have post-pandemic uh, residual effects on kids. For example, uh, adolescents, one of their major developmental tasks is to develop a sense of identity. You know, across multiple models of theories about a developmental task, it's in that age frame from about 11 to 17, and I, I may be off a year or two here or there, that the idea of development is all about figuring out who you are, what you believe in, what you are in this world. And so that developmental task for a lot of people were impacted because of not, again, being able to be around people. And so that's one of the things that, you know, going back into a school environment, and I don't, you know, I don't know if there are any teachers in this, in this group, but kids going back into an environment who have been away from other people during this period of time, when their developmental task is kind of figure out who they are and how to interact with others and do those things that indicate successful growth and development and allows them also adjustment, being able to adjust what it is that is going on in their lives that can secure those developmental tasks. With smaller kids, um, you know, uh, I would say uh, below around five, six or so, some of the developmental tasks are just to develop a sense of self, a little sense of mastery and efficacy that I can do things. I know we all know that one kid that said, look what I can do. That's a developmental task they have accomplished. They are want to be, uh, they want to have a sense of being able to accomplish things. And so for those groups of kids who maybe were starting out 
in day, a pre-K or daycare and, and, and being pulled out of that, that may impact some of those developmental tasks. So there are more, but uh, in particular, these, these are just some things to think about when you think about, well, how, how did this pandemic impact us? How did being in the house two years impact us? So and there are also major needs for not just kids alone, but as a family unit. Again, just like the kids are experiencing grief, loss, and uncertainty, there may be a sense of that going on in the family as well. And uh, that's, you know, exacerbated, I suppose, because of media coverage. Uh, and because the media coverage causes that anxiety, sometimes the best course is to turn your media off. A media detox, I've been hearing that uh, phrase a lot lately because trying to keep up with these developing stories can be a major source of anxiety. And so families need to be able to reduce that anxiety. And one way that they might be able to do that is to you know, cut back on the media coverage. The other thing, and kind of we talked about it, skirted around it, but the bottom line is for the family unit, we're going back to school, you're working, uh, going on with our lives in the midst of change. So I think the, the big takeaway is, so far it looks like it's headed in that direction. Um, the big takeaway in terms of post-pandemic experience is a lot of change. And so, we need to be aware of change in these areas so that we can help our kids and our loved ones make those suggesting. Uh, one thing to be uh, to of note is that there's an increase in the mental health needs, that the increase in the mental health needs of families are impacting the mental health profession. Uh, because there is a strain on mental health resources right now, uh, simply because people are beginning to recognize that, you know, as a kid say, that's a lot, a lot has been going on. And so to be able to reach out to get help is good, but at the same time, reaching out, uh, mental health is spelled wrong there, but it's, uh, reaching out for mental health uh, is uh, allowing some stability, uh, allowing individuals a chance to share their experiences. So again, uh, some com common mental health concerns, we talked about depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Uh, and you know, that's something to be considered because substance abuse typically starts for individuals as a way to numb the pain of maybe anxiety and depression. And so if an individual is spending a lot of time isolated, then it, it kind of see how it follows that there may be an instance of uh, abuse in those areas simply because it just uh, eases some of the anxiety. So how do you know if you're having difficulties? This could be for parents, it could be for kids, uh, but some of the things you might consider is uh, managing emotions and, and relationships, having a hard time expressing yourself or not wanting to uh, express yourself 
or having difficulty with uh, relationships, uh, difficulty feeling okay about yourself. Uh, and, uh, you know, and recognizing it's okay not to be okay. I think that's something that we are learning how to say as a result of the last two years. But, you know, having, being able to say that uh, kind of keeps you grounded in terms of what's going on with you. Being able to protect your boundaries, being able to say yes or no to other people. Uh, is an, If you're having a problem with that, or if it looks like kids are having problems with that, that might be a sign of a difficulties. Um, loss of meaning and, and, and hope. And uh, as you mentioned, Dr. Bryan talked about hope. Uh, the best means of bringing about change from mental health concerns is having hope. Uh, so if there's a sense of lost hope, uh, that's another indicator that there might be some difficulties going on. And then in terms of just another definition of isolation is just difficulty feeling connected with other folks. Uh, that might be a, sign, a problematic uh, sign. Now, so what are some risk factors um, that may come into play when you're looking at, you know, where might these... Um, mental health concerns strike up. Now, this is not to say that every family that uh, that has these concerns would have those type of the, the mental health issues. But again, if, you, if it's a family with a rigid history of coping, uh, a family with a large degree of dysfunction, sometimes that put those characteristics will put the family at risk uh, for having uh, negative mental health concerns. Sometimes, uh, particularly, you know, families with young children who don't have the support to step away from those uh, kids periodically, that may also be a risk factor. Um, I was speaking with someone the other day at, who told me just being able to go out and get their nails done allowed them to step away from children. And it was like a vacation. Uh, but those are the small things uh, to be mindful of to, so that you won't succumb to any of these risk factors. And then, um, of course, those financial uncertainty. We're in uh, times that are in uncertain overall. And so to add financial uncertainty to, uh, uncertainty to that will kind of put you at risk. So here's the impact of all that stuff going on. Change, things are changing. Uh, you know, if you, you know, think about changes that you have made in your life, any adjustments you have made any, in your lives, any shifts, any transformations, any transitions, modifications, think about those changes because we're moving into an era of the new. And the new is what, how we've been able to, you know, go back and think about that uh, 
post-pandemic definition, and we looked at all those areas, economic and uh, political and social, and we looked at how we, they impacted the various areas where we function. So being able to identify those change, and mo most importantly, being able to help your kids recognize that, you know, these are things, these are changes. I got a little clip at the end of uh, this, and hopefully we'll have time to look at it because, you know, it's just some um, uh, additional suggestions of how you implement this change. Um, so what parents can do, change and adjust may be, adjustment may be hard for young children. Uh, young children just don't have the words. Uh, they may have difficulty transitioning back, going to daycare, going to school and not having the words. So as a parent, as a grandparent, you're looking out for that hesitancy. Uh, School-age kids might be worried about other people around them because they spent the last two years being told stay six feet away from people and keep your mask on. And so now that this is changing, you know, unless they've had an opportunity to talk about why these changes have uh, occurred, it may cause an increase of stress and fear and worry, not only for the kids, but uh, within the families. Um, and then there, is, there can be acting out in all ages. But the bottom line here is when we think about what parents can do, you're looking at planning transitions in your family life. And, and you're doing that way, by way of family talks to kind of keep uh, everybody in the loop. Parents can get to, go, get to know your child's school. Uh, it's not unheard of. Uh, more people are becoming involved in going to schools, seeing how their kids are transitioning into schools, same with daycare. Um, the other thing is uh, very invaluable is to connect with other parents uh, in social media groups. So whatever activities that you are involved in, your kids are involved in, to be able to get in social media groups can give you insight as to, you know, exactly kind of decrease, I will say, some of that anxiety. Um, providing structure, and we talked about that, and then talking with the teachers and staff, uh, again, that is something that can help parents understand what's going on with kids and with kids you know they feel that their parents are connected so when you look at what's going on with kids then you're looking at adjustment in all of these areas health emotional social and home uh, these are areas that have been impacted by um, being under a quarantine and these are areas that are impacted as kids come out of those. And we've talked a little bit about the emotional and social and, and the health aspect is just to be concerned about, am I healthy? You know, because not only now do we have COVID, but we have monkeypox and that's something that kids might be involved in as well. Also being aware again of, of just changes in the home and then for parents and the kids, we're looking at school, areas of adjustment in school and also um, in uh, your professional world. So I'm gonna move on through this, but again, signs of pandemic uh, related stress, a sense of loss, weariness, that's that draining part. 
and a loss of control. So if those things are going on, because I wanted to move over to talk about resilience, because that's the key. That's what parents, grandparents can do to help kids is to help build a resilience. Resilience is the ability to cope with failure and a, a, uh, adversity with getting things wrong and still sticking with it, not giving up. Again, uh, at your own pace, in your own way, you solve your problem, you bounce back. And uh, again, my, one of my favorite words around building resistance is bounce back ability. How able are kids and grands uh, to be able to bounce back from whatever obstacles they have encountered because um, these things that they encounter are huge sometimes. And it's something that they have to kind of figure out for themselves. It's not that you can fix it for them, but you encourage them to be resilient. There's a guy named Ginsburg and he's a pediatrician in Philadelphia. And he talks about the three C's of resilience and being able to foster these characteristics in kids can help build their, their uh, the word just went away, I just said it, to be able to re uh, uh, rebuild their re uh, resilience, yeah. And so one of the, the words that he says, you know, being able to allow experiences for kids to develop confidence, that is being able to get things done, to recognize that they can get things done. Uh, the other C, the next C is connection, making sure that you know kids feel connected, that they are a part of something. Uh, that's a good way to develop a resilience. Competence, being able to accomplish a task, uh, I talked about that earlier as being one of those developmental tasks, making sure kids can do that. Also character, having a real good sense of right and wrong. Uh, that is a part of helping kids to become resilient. Uh, the contribution, again, being part of a team, teamwork, knowing that their presence makes a difference. That is a part of the development of resilience. Coping, how do kids cope with or manage their stressful situations? Do they do it in a way that is productive? And then a sense of control, having things that within their sphere of influence that they can control. These seven characteristics here uh, help kids to develop their resilience. Uh, this little chart here, I just threw it in, um, and it takes a look at how children and adolescents respond to stress. Uh, just a cue to you so that you might know what's going on uh, with folks who might be experiencing stress. Um, infants refusing to eat, being listless. Uh, what you can do is take them to a pediatrician with toddlers. Uh, the things that may indicate that something is off is a lot of crying and tantrums. I said earlier that sometimes these kids don't have the words to describe what's going on. So you may help by just simple something as simple as hug, hugging and holding and paying attention to them. Uh, with preschoolers, uh, there may be potty accidents. 
they may become irritable, uh, they may, and so how you can help with that is again, same thing, some good old hugs and increased attention uh, to let them know because one of the competencies to become resilient is to have a sense of you matter. So that's those hugging, that those hugs and the holding uh, will help in that area with school age kids. Again, um, look here, there's that physical uh, response. They may be whiny, I'm sick, you know, irritable, sad. And again, spending time with them, maintaining routines is going to help. With um, teenagers, teenagers may isolate. Uh, they may act out. Uh, they may use substances and their mood is generally angry or having apathy. And as a parent, grandparent, uh, your job is to have patience and set limits. You know, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do and leave them alone with it and let them do what it is that they can do at when they're functioning within those limits. Also counseling is a good outcome. Now, this is just something that I, I, I think might be interesting when we think about what's going on uh, as people are responding to this post-pandemic time, this chart has uh, uh, interesting results when looking at the percentages of how people were impacted financially. Uh, so this is another area, we talk about the economic component of this post-pandemic uh, situation. So if you look at this, uh, out of all major adults, 28% were impacted but 45% said there was minor impact and 27% had said that there were no impact. And what I thought was interesting with baby, baby boomers, uh, baby boomer, boomers were the largest group to say that there was no impact, whereas uh, millennials and Zen G uh, really experienced, uh, where are we, yeah, uh, Millennials, millennials and uh, Gen Z did experience impacts. And again, we talked about these developmental things. Usually people who are boomers are farther along in their lives. They have a house, they have a savings, they, ha they have some type of stability in their homes and that would account for it. But at the same time, Gen Z folks may take a different look at working and, and the attainment of money because they are that generation that, as we said earlier, all of a sudden everything changes. So maybe I don't want a house, everything might change. Maybe I don't need to save all my money. So there are those financial impacts. Um, and the last thing, next to last thing is just to take care of yourself first. Uh, if you are looking at, you know, what about the relationships between family members, taking care of yourself, allow your family members to take care of themselves and to recognize that it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay for your family members to say, I am not okay. And based on, you know, listening to them, well, what's going on? Those hugs that we talked about, that structure that we talked about, those are ways of uh, kind of combating that. Now, this is, I hope, this is a video uh, that I want to click on. I keep looking. I have watch over. I'm sorry. I know that's bad Zoom form. But um, 
let's take a listen to this. Uh, I think it's about five minutes. So if you had any questions that you want to put in the chat, you can put them in there now while we are looking at, hopefully, at this video. We need to ensure that children and teens actually are part of the conversation. This is very new territory. Even young children are impacted by this. And so there's quite a bit of work being done to think about how do we talk to children? We know that comes from the past. We know that, for example, after the Boston Marathon bombing, families that actually talked to their children about what was happening and about what was being done, those children did better from a mental health perspective I've been involved in response to helping 9-11, Katrina, earthquake in Sichuan, China. Scientists recognize that some events happen and it's important to document the events to be able to understand it. Mental health researchers have jumped in to be able to see what can we be learning now and continue to look at how does this impact the future. So prior to the pandemic outbreak, um, we had an ongoing project um, that focused on the development, social emotional development, health, and well-being of Chinese and Korean American families. With the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, we started to see reports of increased acts of racism and xenophobia, both on social media, in the news. And also some of the, the families were also reporting um, having some of these experiences. We're doing the first phase of data collection now at what we think is hope is the height of the pandemic. And then um, in about six to seven months, we're hoping that you know, things will have improved and we'll be able to follow up then what happens with regard to family health and experiences of um, discrimination and anxiety and fears and whether it plateaus and then dips down or whether there is some um, you know, sort of post-traumatic type, similar types of effects. What what are resources that families have, that communities have, that parents and children have, that they can draw on? They're going to be looking to the trusted adults in their lives. You, as an adult, are probably the most important figure in terms of how children and teens will cope. In something like a pandemic, one of the things that is so important for children is having a schedule or routine. Well, that has gone by the wayside. As much as parents can begin to put back some kind of routine, if I know I still have to get up, I still need to sign into my French class, I still need to do homework, that regular routine helps. We would like to tell parents to make sure that they are also not transmitting their fears and anxiety to their children indirectly um, in ways that they might, might not be thinking about making sure to be supported and validating children's concerns and fears um, before trying to come in and you know, trying to fix it for them. For those who just arrived, you are chatting in your ages of five of you. In situations where children are having difficulties at home, having a teacher who is a positive uh, relationship conveys kind of a protective factor to an otherwise um, challenging situation. At the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, we started a longitudinal study to track the uh, mental health 
and emotional and behavioral outcomes in 235 children enrolled in after school programs in Toronto, Canada. Following the announcement of the pandemic, we have seen a bit of a pattern in the data where children are perhaps exhibiting slightly higher levels of uh, emotional behavioral difficulties. And these tend to be outcomes and patterns that are driven um, by children and families who are more susceptible to the influences of the social determinants of health, people of lower income, um, people who are generally um, marginalized. So the families who are going to be least impacted are the ones who have computers in the home, who have access to other resources, who have access to space where they can, you know, get their energies out. We're leaving out a whole, you know, a large proportion of our children who don't have these um, privileges and these luxuries. We know from all the disaster research, once we can stand schools back up, children do better. It's been amazing to see and hear about a lot of these educators who are phoning home, who are checking in, who are brainstorming solutions, who are coming up with ways of doing homeschool. This is a time where we need to work together. I think that we share really the responsibility for good public health practice, but also good practices related to you know, embracing and really valuing diversity. From 9-11, we began to recognize that children can be impacted in so many different ways, but 9-11 also showed us that it doesn't matter whether you're right in New York or whether you're in Missoula, Montana, that event still impacted you. I think everybody will be able to talk with their children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews and others down the road about where I was and what I did during COVID-19. Okay. So... And finally, you know, I, I think that video did a good job of summarizing some of the things that we've talked about. And though it is from uh, a quarantine moving into post-pandemic perspective, uh, some of the suggestions still hold. For individuals who may have issues, there's a new national hotline, 988. It is a suicide and crisis lifeline. Uh, and it's a, a portal that if you dial it or text into it, you will be directed to mental health uh, resources, whether it be uh, substance abuse, mental health breakdown or whatever. The, uh, this is in a direct response. This 988 number is in direct response to the number of people who are seeking help. Uh, heretofore, there had been multiple numbers that you call, but this is speedy and expeditious. So um, if there are questions in the chat. There was one question. What are some resources for mental health screenings? Okay, I would recommend, you know, if there are concerns to go to, you know, if, if something kind of resonated with you to make an appointment with a counselor um, here in Wake County. I'm trying to think, um, I do private practice work, uh, but there may be clinics uh, that are available. That whole structure of providing service has changed somewhat, 
but if you'll get back with me, whoever wrote this, if you'll get back with me, I'll help you find a resource or something that you can pass on to someone who you may consider uh, that that may be valuable information. Yeah, <clears throat> Dr. Newsom, that was uh, me, Pastor Keith, that asked that question. And, and that was really, because uh, when we talk about the lack um, and not having access I know there's a lot of uh, online and I just wanted to be able to have kind of a consolidated, you know, where could I or others refer people to if they felt that they needed to either have a mental health screening or something of, of that nature. Okay, well, I'll take a look at that. Uh, as I said, the whole structure of the delivery of mental health has uh, been changed uh, or is changing. And uh, I'll just take a look and, and see what resource I can uh, direct back towards you. Are there any other questions? You can feel free to ask them at this time. <clears throat> Everybody is quiet. So uh, again, you know, these are just some uh, suggestions on how we are in a phenomenally different uh, time frame, and there are some phenomenally different results that are occurring for us. So hopefully you have picked up some tips and uh, just in terms of a place for mental health screening past Keith, you are correct that a lot of that goes on online and, and people will do uh, take those screenings with the precaution to if you scored so-and-so, see a mental health professional. But I don't feel confident enough in, in suggesting, uh, suggesting one to you at this time, but I will find something for you. Okay, um, again, if there are any questions, please feel free to ask those now. Dr. Newsom, I do want to um, thank you for your time and expertise for uh, coming before us. And uh, you've given us quite a lot of, of information to process. But one of the things that I like about uh, having conversations like this, especially in the church, is to help us normalize and get rid of some of those uh, taboos that we have surrounding mental health and emotional health and wellness. Well, let's put names to things that we've been experiencing that we may not talk about, mm -hmm. uh, but we need to talk about and be comfortable with that. Um, and it's not just for us in the church, but for us to take those of us who are here this evening to take this information to our families and our friends because they too are experiencing uh, those situations. And as a church family, we have a responsibility for one another. And so you may not have uh, kids in your home or have ever had children, but you have family members. Um, and we have uh, the family that comes together at church and in our meetings and what have you. And so to help take care of one another um, is just, uh, I believe, one of the reasons that we are together. <laughs> and so um, we do thank you so much for uh, sharing the information this evening. And um, I do want to let you all know that Dr. Newsom will be back with us again next week to continue a conversation about uh, just general emotional wellness. 
So thank you, um, Dr. Newsom. Thank you for asking me. Dr. Newsom, Sister Bullock, can I ask a question? Yes, sir, go ahead. Uh, uh, Dr. Newsom. Yes. You know, it looked like a lot of health resources, physical and mental have been strained during this post pandemic period. Even my doctor, you know, and, and, and well, I, I guess that gives me a little anxiety because she used to spend 30 minutes with me and 45 minutes and I'm good if I can get 15 now. Mm -hmm. If you can get to see her, if you can get to see her, it's hard to see even the, the doctor, your regular doctor now. There are a lot of variables, I think, that impact that um, customer service, seeing a physician, uh, anything that you go to do almost uh, after the pandemic, sometimes it's difficult. It's like, where are the people? who do these things, who provide these services, and uh, people are going to the doctor, uh, they're seeking mental health. And in those circumstances, when you ask about it, what's the answer that you get? We're short-staffed. That's generally the answer for any inconvenience you experience um, post-pandemic, we're short-staffed. You are right, because I, ju I just had to go back three times to get an MRI because they were short-staffed. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, why are they short-staffed? People have decided post-pandemic, I don't want to work this way anymore. And that's one of those economic factors. A lot of people just don't want to work and they're doing something different. So, you know, the people who used to show up for a particular job may be entrepreneurs now, or they have a food truck. Um, they just have a desire to do something different. Okay. That creates um, a little anxiety. That creates good. a little anxiety. Well, you know, ex express your concern to your doctor. So that she might be able to provide services for you in a way that's more reassuring. I did loudly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> okay, it's uh, about time for us to wrap up. We want to thank you all for joining us this evening and Pastor uh, Keith, thank you for allowing the Christian Education Ministry to um, to bring this series. Uh, it's been very valuable to me, and I hope that you all have been blessed by that. And Pastor Keith, you can close us out. Amen. And I also like to add to you, Dr. Newsom. Uh, we appreciate your taking the time and sharing um, <clears throat> some additional insights. And uh, one of the words that um, you know that kind of went over and over again was this idea of uh, anxiety and loneliness and isolation. And I'm so glad that uh, those who are on um, this, this forum uh, have chosen, because this is, um, even though we may not be physically together, this is part of staying connected. So I appreciate your um, just bringing that up of what some of the ways that we have to deal with and recognize uh, some of the, the anxieties and, and the challenges that we face. 
going to get ready to, to close in, in prayer, and we are just so grateful to the Lord for, again, for this opportunity to study God's word and to actually, I would say, more 